to Divorce Recovery Men Over 40 podcast. This is David. I have Dr. Oris with me from Las Vegas. Uh, he talks about men kicking ass, and I've been wondering what the heck he's talking about, but uh, we're going to get into that, and he has an affiliate program and things like that, and he's going to talk about, uh, uh, we're going to talk about three things, um, probably men out there struggling, trying to decide to get divorced, and then men out there going through divorce, and then men out there after divorce, and how they can kick ass and get confidence and uh, rebuild themselves and go from there. So Dr. Oris, go ahead and take it away. And I have questions for you, but go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. you know, I've been uh, been a men's life coach and a podcast host for, for a while. And uh, prior to that, I was a periodontal regenerative surgeon. And uh, I did that until I was done. Uh, I quit that in 2018. I was a dentist for 37 years. And I just said, it was time for me to go. Uh, and part of it, you know, David, one of the things, and you, you still enjoy practicing. One of the things I, di- I didn't enjoy the last few years was it was it was actually miserable going to the office. I hated it. And part of what happened also is that I used to be kind of a, a, a tip of the spear person, uh, cutting edge technology mm-hmm. uh, of all lots of things. And <clears throat> I, I, I knew it was time for me to go when I was no longer interested in being the best version of a periodontist I could be. I knew that was that, that was the time for me to go. So I knew it was time. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of times uh, some guys hang on too long, uh, and you know the the other thing sometimes is uh, you know kind of like athletes, we have a shelf life. <laughs> Definitely, and with, <laughs> yeah, our our shelf life in dentistry is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. let's discuss that, that kick-ass aspect. How did you come about that? And what is that? You know, um, I'm 71 and given my gene pool, I probably have a good chance of living uh, over a hundred. And what it is, it's really about waking up every day. And I, I can't, I can't say that I do this every day, but the, we, I start out the day uh, trying to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. And that leads to an exciting life. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing lots of stuff, uh, married to a wonderful woman. Uh, our intimacy is really good. And, uh, and so, you know, all a lot, got have a lot of things dialed in. Uh, you know, there's other things that haven't, um, uh, I've had my challenges in, in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, I, I had a, uh, an ostomy. And for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, this was uh, in the beginning of 2022. Uh, that's where they separate your uh, intestine from your, uh, from your anus and uh, you shit in a bag uh, through your stomach and you have no control when that happens. And uh, fortunately I got that, that got reversed. They put me back together again. Uh, but it was, that was a life changer for about five months. It was, it was a, uh, uh, when you wake up every morning uh, and for a couple hours, you lay in bed shitting on yourself, literally. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking about literally because you have no control. And uh, and then my wife, who's an angel, uh, would clean it up. Wow. Took care of me through that time. And uh, that, and uh, now I'm, I'm battling back and neck pain. Um, I was at the physical therapist this, uh, this morning and been going to one for, for a few weeks now. Uh, it was, I mean, it was so bad that I, I had to go to the ER 
uh, and they put me on morphine. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, so so uh, yeah, you know, there's there's challenges. There's no doubt about it. I mean, everything's not perfect, but at the end of the day, I still am looking to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. Um, and that, that that takes work. So what would you say to a guy who is, let's talk about the guy who's going through the divorce and, he, and he's going for one of the most devastating times of his life. How can he build that confidence to get through that divorce? What are some things he can lean into? Uh, there's, there's several things that, that you can lean into. Um, I think that part of it is, is a, uh, First of all, you, you manage it by working on your uh, on on your uh, your health and your vitality. Uh, I'm a big believer in testosterone optimization. I've been on testosterone for over 30 years, uh, way before it became popular. Wow! And you know they're also yeah my my primary care doctor you know tell me all sorts of stuff was going to happen. You know uh, my dick was going to fall off. I was going to get prostate cancer. <laughs> I was going to get heart disease. You know, all, all, all this stuff. And it turned out he was wrong and I was right. Wow. Uh, and I'm so glad that I didn't, I'm so glad that I didn't listen to him. People don't really understand what that is all about. And one of the biggest benefits for me, and I know for a lot of men that I've talked to about this, it's a huge antidepressant. When I get off of it, which I, the last time I got off of it was about a year, two years ago, no, three years ago. I went to New Zealand with my youngest daughter and we were there for three weeks and I just didn't want to have any hassles with a, a border guard or even though I, everything I do, everything I talk about that requires a prescription, I use this prescription. I don't do any stuff. I don't buy anything out of the back of anyone's trunk or anything. I left it and my wife noticed it within eight days, eight to 10 days, because the half-life of the Testosterone is actually eight, is about eight days. And wow. so, and she said, you are really sounding negative. What's wrong with you? Then she asked me, she said, did you take your testosterone? I go, no. And I, wow. And other men. So that's one of the things that, that I talk about. And let me caution your, the men who are listening to this program and, and the women, if, 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 it's, if there's women listening. I had, on my podcast, uh, old guy talks to me. I got I have a number of interviews with experts, some physicians, some uh, androgen experts that we talk about this. And one of the things you need to realize is that the normal range that they have on the lab tests is not the healthy range. Okay, and I, I, I'm not a physician, so that's that's my disclaimer. Now, to do your own research, find your own doctor, or whatever. But the normal range is not healthy range. And uh, some of the lab companies just recently, within the last year or so, have dropped the high normal from 1,100 to 960. That's over a 10% drop. Okay. And the low normal has been dropped too. So people that were considered deficient in testosterone now fall into, quote, unquote, the normal range. But there's nothing normal about that because, according to one of the doctors, 30 years ago, the high normal was about 1,500. Well, that's almost double. Yeah. So it's the normal range is not the healthy range. And, and doctors will treat to these ranges that have nothing to do with optimum health. It has to do with not getting sued and not getting your license yanked. It's very defensive medicine. And so I've fallen in with a, a bunch of practitioners who really 
treat the patient and not the number. Other things that happen, you, you, you keep muscle mass. Your attitude is really good. You still are very decisive to a large extent. It helps you keep weight off. Though I'm a, I've been fighting weight my whole life. And my whole family is fat. It is just, it's, that's just our gene pool. My, my sister's 300 pounds. And my mother was about 280 at 5'2". Diabetics, all that stuff. So that, that's in my gene pool. But I'm relatively healthy. I go to the gym. I lift heavy still. I still lift heavy. Yeah, I'm doing, awesome. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I had gotten an injury, went back down to 70 pound dumbbell bench presses, working my way back up to hundreds. Okay. I do a 55 to 60 pound of dumbbell curls. Okay. At 70, at, at 71. So those type of things, your heart is important. Your when what I was trying to explain to someone, I have no idea why they, why they, they, they just didn't understand this. Testosterone is basically a changed into estrogen and progesterone in men. Okay. Those are very two important, very hormones for your heart health. Okay. And also for your sleep. And so all of that is, is really optimized. And as I said, there's a couple of interviews on my podcast with one with Keith Nichols, who's a physician. The other one is with a guy by the name of Jay Campbell, who's very knowledgeable and also Scott Howell. Uh, he actually helped write the position paper. He's an androgen expert. He helped write the position paper for the USA Powerlifting Association on trans athletes. Okay. And it was pretty much said, men are men and women are women. And you just can't pretend that they're not just giving them a, giving a, a guy some estrogen is not going to preclude all the adv- advantages he has as a man. Gotcha. In terms of fast twitch muscle fibers, bone density, muscle mass, force, all that stuff. There's you can't really negate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give enough estrogen to LeBron James to grow tits like he's pregnant. You could do that. Now, now, now you probably would never want, but he'll, he's still going to be the best basketball player in the, in the court. <laughs> you know, you can't take that. It's an interesting system because you talk about, I was talking about, because I think, oh, no, you can do that. So if you, you could Google this, because I did this, how many WNBA players can dunk the ball? Ten. Yeah, not very many. Not very many. And I bet you most of them is just one hand. The guys, their head, most of the players in the NBA, when they jump, their head is above the rim, let alone dunking the ball. It's a, my daughter played basketball when she was younger. And before the boys hit puberty, they're essentially the same. But then the boys' game goes vertical. It goes vertical. And the women's game doesn't, I mean, it goes a little bit, but not a lot. There's still, it's still layups and three point shots. And very, that's the women's basketball game. And, and they're still, still great athletes. And I'm not taking that away from them, but they're very different. And so I'm, I'm got, I got off my straight thing on this, uh, my soapbox on this whole subject. Cause I, that's all right. Cause that's, I love, that's cause part I, of the yeah, process. I, yeah. So, so because I've, I've done a number of interviews on, on, on this topic also, uh, but, but so testosterone optimization is really important and, and you need to find the right physicians to do that, uh, and not let them have you give you a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't need estrogen inhibitors and things like that. Your body's has a genetic set point of converting testosterone into estrogen and progesterone. And you, you don't really want to mess with that. The other thing that I would caution you, because I don't know what your audience demographic is. Most people think about 
andropause, which is actually the, the term for testosterone loss of hormones, starts in their 40s. There is an alarming statistic that many people are not talking about is that many young men in their 20s and 30s are showing up at doctor's offices with low testosterone. I have a friend of mine whose two sons in their 20s came in at 125 and the other one came in at 210. Yeah, and so what's some of the manifestations of those? What's, what shows? Well, what shows? There's this, this discussion about men not being as manly as they are, as they used to be. And there's some truth to that. Uh, women are noticing that. Young women have are having a hard time, especially the more successful they are, are having a hard time finding young men to be with. There's a demographic change that's occurred, especially like in the universities. I don't know about when you, when my, in my dental class, it was a big deal when we had 10% women. That was like the most women that have ever had in, in my class in, in, in Indiana. Now it's the majority, uh, over 50% are yeah, women. Over half. Yeah, same is true in law school, same in school, and a whole bunch of other things. And so that deplete, guys are depleted from that pool of quote-unquote achievers, professionals, and they end up being disgruntled and basically depressed about life and don't seem to have a future. And some of that has to do with low testosterone. Some of that has to do with demographic changes that are occurring. And that's interesting because my daughter is in Austin. And she's in the tech industry and she reverberates that men aren't being men. Men won't step up. She, she's 30 and guys 30, 35 don't have it like we had it back in the day. So that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 and, and no one's, no one wants to talk about it because it's not politically correct to talk about men aren't as manly as they used to be. What do you mean? The concept of, of the beta male is real. And yep. most women, while they want a, a kind, caring guy. They also want an alpha male. You know, alpha male does not mean being an asshole. As a matter of fact, people say, what's your def- What's the most important thing about masculinity? And my first comment is, be a gentleman. You know, that, that's, that's where it starts. And, and it doesn't end there, but that's, if you're not that, then you're just some, some Yahoo uh, who has no manners, only thinking about themselves and is probably going to be toxic to the person that he is in a relationship with. And uh, I don't, and that's not, that, that don't, not to be confused with toxic masculinity, which I think is a myth. I know very many, I know a few toxic men. I also know a few toxic women. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's a personality trait. It's not gender specific. Toxic personality is not gender specific. And I know that. And so uh, I guess you we got off the track here. But so I would encourage men to, to look at their testosterone. And if you have sons, to look at their testosterone levels. Because this is the doctors that I, that I interviewed say that, they, like you said, they, they say they see more and more men in their early 20s and 30s showing up with low testosterone. And it really makes you less achievement-oriented, less of a go-getter, less assertive. It also makes you more depressed. Wow. So it, it can add to the depression. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, that, and the next thing you know, your life consists of living in your parents' basement and playing video games or watching porn all the time. 
Yeah. So when they go through a devastating heat event, but what are some of the other things they can do besides testosterone, hear things like okay. that? What other things they can do? I think that one, this is one of the things that I talk about in my coaching program. The most important relationship a man has is with himself. Definitely. That clouds all the other. If it's crappy, it's going to be crappy with everyone in your life. If it's great, you know what? You're going to have some great relationships. I'm not going to say all of them are going to be great, but you're going to have great relationships in your life. But your relationship with yourself, what that, that conversation that you have inside of your head every day, we all have it. You can't turn it, you can't turn it off. Maybe you can sometimes you can get, get into a good movie or, or, or some experience where it's all, you're all in like jumping out of an airplane or bungee jumping. When you're, when you're, but in general, we all have conversations and the quality of that conversation determines the quality of your life. The conversation and with yourself. The conversation you have with yeah. yourself and the questions that you ask yourself are also important and how you ask them. So if what are some of the good questions to ask? Let me give you an example of the bad ones first. Like, why do I always find these toxic women? Well, your brain's going to give you an answer. I'm going to give you a whole list of reasons. It won't stop. That one's not the, that one's hard not to turn off. But if you ask yourself a question, what do I need to do to find a woman that I can have a relationship, a, a good, a, a great relationship with? That's a different question. And your brain will, will give you some answers to that question too. So the, qu the quality of your life depends on the quality of questions you ask yourself. And uh, you can ask yourself victim questions. You can ask, everybody likes the, the you know, everybody likes the, the, the victim story. Uh, you know, I've, I've got my, I got my share of victim stories and you pull them out and everybody goes, oh, I feel so bad for you. And you know what? Sometimes you need to say that. Sometimes you need to play the, the victim card every once in a while, but not for a long time. Don't make it like your, don't make it your, your default position. And my wife and I have this rule about when bad things happen to us, we set a time limit on the moping. Oh, that's you know, pretty cool. Yeah, we said sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's a day, uh, rarely more than a couple of days. It has to be something really dramatic to be a couple of days. But we, uh, we set a timeline on the moping and then move on to something productive. So I think the conversation you have is the most important. Taking your care of your health is really important. And then I, get, I understand the need for, and I'm speaking from someone, someone who has never been divorced. I do understand the need for a relationship or physical contact, but the reality is unless until you work on yourself, you're going to end up with the same person that you got divorced from. They're just going to have a different first name. No you know doubt. I mean? You're just going to have a different first name. Maybe they'll have the same first name. Depends because it seems I was for, for my era, the most popular name was Cindy. When girls were born, I've got several Cindy's that, that went through my life, you know? Wow. <laughs> and so you're going to end up literally with, the, unless you get an idea of what was your role, I'm going to say this, what was your role in the divorce? And it may be totally legitimate. She may be a psycho or turn into a psycho. She may have had an affair or whatever. That all those are legitimate reasons, but there's always two people and there's things that we do as men to contribute to the situation. 
Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. Sometimes we're the, the primary cause of the problem. Sometimes we're collateral damage that occurs. But the question, the, the most of the time is that there's something that happened. There's something that happened. And how you reacted to it may have driven that further. I think I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? I don't know who that is. Oh, gosh. Gosh, he, Google him. He's all like all over the place. He's, he's a, a very famous, probably one of the smartest guys, smart, one of the most eloquent people. And he talks about this, how a small problem left undealt with can fester and grow. Maybe something was said, ignored, moved on. Next thing, someone's on their phone. They're looking up dating sites. The next thing, you discover that they're having an affair, blah, 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 all that stuff. And that may, may, that may have been the beginning of that might have been something small. so small that left unattended festers and grows. Most things, if they're left unattended, they do, especially bad things, they grow. They, they don't just die off. They grow. And so that's the other thing is that to deal with things honestly, quickly, try not to have serious discussions when you're pissed off. I was talking to someone about this the other day and said, I tried to talk to my wife and I go, is that like when you're pissed off? <laughs> he goes, yeah, <laughs> you're already starting off in a bad place. Both of you are. Cause if you're pissed off and she's either pissed off or she's defensive or vice versa. But I think communication is very, a very important part of that, of that. So you need to, a guy, as I said, will need to work on who he is as a man. In order to have a, in order to have a successful uh, relationship in the future, and even if you are in a relationship, you still have to work on it every day. Yeah, because it's, it's a never-ending process. It is a never-ending process. What about those guys that go through a divorce? They heal, find themselves, they get back out there again. What are some of the things you would say that are like, oh? hard nose or no pass, they meet women, what, what do they look out for? Because they haven't been out there in a while. They've been married 20, 25 years and they're back out there for the first time. What are some of the wise things you can tell them? Take it slow. And it's a very different world out there than when I was dating, you know, with the, the hookup Even culture. Me. And, oh, heck. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hookup culture and everything else. But I would say, take it slow. Uh, I don't know why, but it seems like all these really good looking hot women on LinkedIn and Facebook want to get to know me and become friends. And then they have three friends and they have, they're, they're, they all seem to go to the to London school of economics. <laughs> so that's on their profile and in the old days. And I, of course people are going to say like in the old days, it, it, it was, there was never a stripper that wasn't going to college. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was never a stripper that wasn't, that's just a new version. Of it. It's like all strippers wow. were going to college. They're either going to accounting school or their plan was to go to law school. I actually met one that actually became a lawyer. But but I think that you got to go slow, see who they are as a person, see how they treat people that are not important, see how they treat wake staff. That's right. People that, that are. Yeah, yeah. See how they see, how they treat people that are not important, because that will and people 
sometimes make this mistake of going in for a job interview. And if you treat the secretary miserable of the person who, and she works for the person who's doing the hiring, they often will come out and say, hey, what'd you think of that guy? And she goes, he's an asshole. Hell, there goes your job prospects. It's you never know who you're talking to either. It's, but again, now every we're all everybody's wearing t-shirts. But you're a billionaire, you're wearing t-shirts. I know one, one of the wealthiest guys I know in Phoenix. He doesn't. He, I don't think he has a shirt that doesn't have a grease stain on it. He washes them, but they still have the grease stains on them. And he's one of the wealthiest guys I know in, in in the Phoenix metropolitan area. Incredibly successful. If you looked at him, you would think that who is this guy? And he probably doesn't have two nickels to rub together. He can buy most people. And so you never know who you're sitting next to. But I think that it's important for, to see how they treat people. Like I said, wait staff, how they, how they deal, deal with other people. And also who they hang with, who are their friends, and who is their family. Almost always somebody that knows them. Right. There's always that, what do you call that, the Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation. This world is too small. Yeah, yeah this is, I, I'm sure it's very true in, in Colorado Springs. I know it's very true in Las Vegas, is that it is a small, it's grown up to be about a million people plus, but invariably at, a, at the professional level, uh, at the business person level, it is a small town. And you are no, you're no more than one degree of separation from someone here in town. Yeah, it is, it's remarkable. It was like Phoenix was that, Phoenix was that like that in the 70s and 80s when I grew up in, I grew up in, I lived in Phoenix since 1960 and then we moved out here in 2018. But Phoenix used to be like that. It's not like that anymore. But here in Las Vegas, it's, it's, and if you get known for being a cheat, a liar, or an asshole, everyone knows that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Your reputation is like the most important thing you have in, in Las Vegas. And uh, so, but I, I think those things is, is to be really observant. And the other thing I, I will caution men is, I think you had to have a clear understanding about who you want in your life in terms of the type of person. Are you looking for someone to be a stay-at-home mom? Are you looking for somebody who's retired? Are you looking for this? Are you looking for that? Be clear. And I almost hate to say this, but you almost have to have a list. But don't expect to hit 100% on the list. And by, and by the way, you ain't perfect either. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a cruel world out there. I started dating way too early. Matter of fact, I started dating before my divorce was over. And that was a mistake. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I crash and burn. And I think you have to have those crash and burns in order to learn from it. So exactly. you learn with every step. So every... Every date, every friendship is a stepping stone to where you want to be. Yeah, I believe that's true. One of the things that, that happened during COVID is that there's a whole group of people that never really got into dating. And I'm, this is young kids. And they don't date. And they don't know how to date. It, it's, a, it's, it's a challenge because you know, they, 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 it was like that period where you really start dating and you know, uh, in college and getting out of college. And so there's a group there that doesn't know how to date. And, uh, and that's, that also is a whole nother problem that, that occurred, another fallout from the COVID and the lockdowns and all of that. There's stepping stones in learning how to be in a relationship. I did not get married until I was 40. Wow. Yeah. 
And we've been married for 32 years. Uh, but I didn't get married till I was 40. And I was engaged a number of times. And my MO was pretty much, I liked beautiful, smart women. You had to be both those things. And it'd be like, you were either a physician, you're your attorney, or you're a dentist, or going to dental school or whatever. It was one of, the, one of those two things and, and stuff. But I would say towards the end, it's not you, it's me. And guys say that sometimes, just to try to make the woman feel better. But, and, she, and she knows you're lying. But I actually believe that. But then I discovered that it was actually me. It, it was, I was, I was an immature uh, boy in a man's body. There's just no put, uh, there's no put about it. I had a couple, I had a very significant life-changing event that cured me of that, but that's who I was. I was an immature and at the moment of any sort of conflict in a relationship, I'd bail. I was, I was out of there. I was out of there. Fat, you know, and that has to do with you know, a lot of childhood stuff that, that went on when I was a kid with my parents, but yeah. So you know, work on yourself. One of the things that one of my mantras is, and I may have said this earlier, I try to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. Don't always succeed. Doesn't always happen, but I give it a good shot. Trying to make it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's always a next level. Oh, yeah. There's always a next level. And once you start, once you stop reaching for that next level, that's when you start the, the downhill spiral. You just give up. Yeah, you just give up and you just say, okay, this is just the way it is. And I'm not going to make it any better. I, we lived, we used to live in a 55 and over community. And I'm really glad we moved out of there because there's too many old people. And they do certain things like they give up on life. And I, one of it was going into the gym and I, I thought I was able to avoid the effects of being around people that were not particularly uh, working out. They'd go in there and they'd chat. They'd get a 15 minutes of workout into an hour. They suck you in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the next thing, so I, I, we just moved out of there a few months ago and I started going back to a, a gym where people are grunting. They're lifting, they're pushing, and it felt good. It felt a lot alive to be around people like that. The other place was really God's waiting room. Yeah, it was All God's right, waiting Morris, room. I'm going to thank so, you for getting back to me, man. This is interesting. I'm a, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to write this one up, but it's going to be interesting to write this one up. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have that effect on me, on people. Oh, yeah. I have that effect. And, and there was a warning in some of the stuff I read. I was like, damn, he, he brought it. So I, I appreciate you bringing it. And uh, we're definitely going to have you back on the show again. This was fun. Okay. Can, can I mention my coaching program? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, if you go to the standard.academy, you can find out more about my coaching program. And how I help men create kick-ass lives for themselves and those that they love. It is unusual, especially if you decide to go with the uh, uh, one-on-one coaching with me, because 
as you can probably tell, I'm pretty direct. Uh, I don't have a lot of filters. And my somebody says, oh, do you make men feel good? I go, no, that's not my job. My job is to make men do the things that they want to do, that they want to achieve, to get the things that they want to achieve. Then they can feel good. They can make themselves feel good. I'm not in charge of making anyone feel good. That, that, that's not my job. My job is to help you create the life that you want. And then you can feel good about it. You are you are so right. So many things I want to talk to these people this podcast, which I, what I would wish I would have known back when I was going through my divorce would have been so much easier. But like I said, you have those stepping stones and you learn as you So yep. it's great. It's great that you're doing this work because a lot of men, a lot of men need your help. We will see what happens. Well, thank you, sir. And we'll go from there. All right. Thank you. And uh, you have a great day. All right.